everyone. Um, I am recording this Wednesday, uh, January 6th, due to my wisdom teeth getting pulled out tomorrow. Um, and also today is Epiphany. And so in the midst of everything, um, this sad, sad day um, in our country and in our communities, I am recording this and it's going to be a lot more stream of consciousness than I probably ever have allowed myself to be in a sermon. And so I wish that I had more time this week to really hone in how I'm presenting this. Um, but with the restrictions of you know, being put out tomorrow and not really sure how the healing will go. Um, my hope is that you'll bear with me and see the direction in which I'm headed and maybe we can flesh it out more on Sunday if what I present here doesn't quite get to those aha moments. Um, today, honestly, I haven't had a lot of words. Um, Although I'm sure many of you have seen a lot of the images that are circling, um, the updates, the news, and there's a lot going on in our world right now. Um, and I was planning on spending time exploring the text of Epiphany, walking through a little bit more of what it means, um, as well as one of the texts for this week. And I'm going to try to still do that in the context of also addressing um, kind of what has been present in our, our world today. And again, we will see how, if, when it connects. Um, but I hope that you will kind of join me in lamenting the state of our, our country today. Um, I'm not sure what it'll be like as you listen to this, what will come in the next couple of days, but it's definitely been quite a busy 24 hours um, between the elections in Georgia, the response in DC, um, and the ripple effects that have continued to create some energy in our um, communities and in our country. But I want to just take a second to again affirm um, what is present here. That is love, that is acceptance, that is grace, that is the freedom to doubt and to question, to bring together um, both the sorrows and the joys of the lives that we live um, and how we connect together as part of this community. Um, so in light of those things, let us explore the intersection of the text, our own context, and what it might mean to understand, in, understand an epiphany or miracle of being beloved. So between today, January 6th, the day of Epiphany, and um, Sunday, which will bring us back kind of into ordinary time as we move towards Lent, um, we, have, we have two texts that join us today. And the first one comes from Matthew 2, 1 through 12, and it sets the, the tone for Epiphany. In these verses, 
It says, In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star as its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and called together all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them was the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. So this text comes to us from the readings that uh, go along with Epiphany. It's part of our lectionary and our church calendar, and it represents this sudden realization um, here for, for the wise men that are mentioned, but extends to us in a message that all people who um, believe this message that Jesus is uh, a physical manifestation of God. And so in the early church and even in some Eastern Orthodox churches today, the day of Epiphany marks this culmination of the cycle of Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, um, and was often kind of a day of celebration. This more even so than the day of Christmas acknowledges the birth of Jesus, um, the visit of the wise men. And then what we get on Sunday is speeding up to Jesus's baptism. Um, all of the gospels present a very different picture of how we jump from one uh, part of Jesus's story into the next. But I, of course, um, you know, in the midst of everything happening today, stumbled across um, a tweet that I think uh, kind of sums up what I would like to do with this text. And it says, um, from Serena Jones, civil disobedience lies at the heart of the Epiphany story. The Magi receive an unjust order from a vindictive tyrant. Instead, they defy him. May we do likewise. Granted, I'm not trying to jump off too far um, into the deep end of politics, but gosh, welcome to my Mission Hills. 
Um, as we look at the story, we look to find kind of the moments of epiphany. And epiphany is uh, the, the realization. It is a revelation, a revealing um, of, of God's presence, of God's power, um, and God's closeness to us. So in these things, um, we see the story play out that King Herod is frightened. He is frightened by a power that threatens his own. He is frightened by someone who might disturb the status quo. Um, and so he puts out a hit, basically, um, for a toddler at this point. Um, not sure exact of the, the timeline. But he's threatened by a child um, because of what has been spoken, what has been prophesied over his life, that God coming to us in um, our midst, in human form, was a threat that he was willing to act upon. Um, and the Magi experience this moment of epiphany after having visited with the child, with Mary, his mother. They give him gifts, all of these pieces, and they're warned um, to not return, and they heed this warning and instead go against the order that they had been given. Um, what we have seen today is not an act of civil disobedience. What we have seen, um, to put it more plainly, sedition, an attempted coup, um, this, <laughs> it is saddening and frustrating to see these actions put in place in the name of God, in the name of faith. Um, and throughout kind of this whole election season, I've seen things circulating along the lines of, um, when did, sorry, also you're probably going to hear Cusco in the background. It's just one of those days. Um, when did taking the Lord's name in vain become about saying uh, a swear word with, with God in it and not focus on the times in which we are doing actions that are uh, unjust and causing harm to another, but saying it in the name of God in the name of faith. Um, and this response, of course, comes from a rhetoric that is frightened, um, leadership that is scared and grasping uh, to maintain some sense of power, um, some sense of fear, um, and what our response is to this um, dictates a lot about how we see uh, Jesus' words playing out in action in our own context. Um, the, the difference in response between uh, after Black Lives Matter protests and after this blatant 
disrespect of proceedings and also um, abuse of power um, and violence are very starkly contrasted. Um, I don't think it's very difficult to see um, how even certain leaders who probably have not ever um, agreed with how terrible um, some of these actions have been to stand in the face uh, today and to rebuke um, this group, I think goes to show uh, just what we are, are dealing with right now. And as always, I think we can glean some pieces of wisdom from the text that if we are to see that power being threatened by someone who's here to restore justice, who is here to put the first, make the first last, the last first, um, to uplift those who have been pushed to the, the margins, um, if that, if power is being threatened by something of that nature, um, we can only assume why that power is in place um, and what that power stands for. Um, and so my hope in this is that we're able to see why we need um, some more epiphanies, why we need some more revealing um, of the truth in which we believe and see, um, the ways in which we see Jesus's radical ministry um, stand in the face of political abuse of power. Um, there's a quote that I always kind of think about because I, I often get trapped in the binary between broken and fixed. Um, I forget her first name. Her last name is Medicum. I'll try to find it. I think it was Resma Medicum, who wrote a book talking about racialized trauma. Um, and it says, in today's America, um, we tend to think of healing as something binary. We're either broken or we're healed. Um, but that's not how healing operates. And it's rarely how human growth works. Usually, or more often... Healing and growth takes place on a continuum with innumerable, po innumerable points between utter brokenness and total health. Um, and I see this playing out almost every day in uh, the hospital. I see it playing out on the kind of greater narrative of American politics um, and leadership. I can even see it uh, in my, my own journey, and I'm sure many others uh, who would acknowledge that as well. And uh, I know I've been using a lot of examples from the hospital as of late, uh, but I'll admit I am learning quite a lot from this work and some of the lessons that are just so applicable in the space. Um, so for myself, as we begin to kind of talk more towards the text that is offered to us for this Sunday, um, coming from Mark, talking about Jesus's baptism. Um, we also get in this narrative uh, the beginning of Jesus's first miracles. Um, and 
In the work that I'm doing, a lot of families and patients find themselves longing for a miracle, um, especially as a patient approaches end of life. And I would be remiss to say I'm not hoping for a miracle um, in the grand scheme of American politics. Um, and I often assume what they mean by this when they ask they're hoping for a miracle is that it's the physical healing kind. Um, and while I can't deny that once or twice I've come across such an event, I am personally doing a lot of reframing with families that sometimes the miracle is being present with their loved one, that technology gave us a chance to try, that them being on a ventilator gave them the time to share some beautiful final words with them. Um, and I, I find myself rethinking what the idea of a miracle can be. Um, that it's not necessarily about the total physical healing. Um, it's not about a total culmination or event coming to us that we're hoping for, but instead it's looking to see the ways in which God is still revealing themselves to us um, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of being overwhelmed uh, by the grief history that we have. Um, we're never going to be at utter brokenness or total health. Um, for some patients, physical healing that prevents death might not happen, but maybe it's a healing of the mind or the spirit that's experienced, whether that's for the patient themselves or even those of us surrounding them. I also talk about the stages of hope with families that the first stage is often that hope for a cure, um, hope for physical healing. Um, another stage that follows is hope for treatment um, that we'll at least be able to have some more time to try. Um, from there, it trans transitions into a hope for comfort, um, that they might continue to be with us but be comfortable and finally, the last stage of hope is for a peaceful death. Um, and I see, I see families work through these stages of hope. And I wonder if we're not mirroring that in some sense in our, our political scheme. Um, that first we start with hope for full healing. Um, that the kinds of responses to Black Lives Matter movements um, wouldn't, just wouldn't be even a part of what could be considered um, in the face of what's happening today and the great difference that we might have a functioning political system that doesn't unjustly marginalize many to keep a few safe. Um, and I wonder if we're not closely approaching um, a hope for a peaceful death of certain things um, within within America, within the structure uh, that we exist in that continues to keep uh, the same groups in the same positions, but instead then be able to look forward 
towards the rebuilding of something different, of something new. Um, because the way things are going, I don't personally see um, the resurrection of the current system that we're at in a way that will truly change how the U.S. functions. Um, I think about even the imagery of Jesus's resurrection, of baptism, that we are brought back out of the water um, into a certain sense of new life that is potentially markedly different um, from how we were lowered into it. And so all of these images, right, are, are spinning in our heads. And just to talk about the idea of miracle, um, one of the words, again, excuse my pronunciation, but semion, um, one of the Greek words that's used for miracles means signs. Um, and often it's in, in tandem with another word meaning wonders. And these signs and wonders were not about the acts themselves, but it was revealing about the person of Jesus, about God, about the people um, around him. And similarly, the idea of epiphany, this realization or almost a re revelation, um, is about God, others, ourselves. Um, and for me, there's a lot of epiphanies uh, that occur when reading through the Mark passage, um, specifically about how Jesus joins us in baptism, that even though he, you know, said in the rhetoric, like, to be blameless, to be sinless, joins us in this act. Um, John the Baptist says, uh, the one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. Um, he says, I've baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth. He's baptized by John in the Jordan. And as he's coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. A voice comes from heaven. You are my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So in this, I also uh, kind of stoop over to the version in Luke, um, which also captures Jesus' baptism. And there's a couple words uh, that brought about a certain epiphany for me early on. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Um, Jesus was baptized too. I love this wording because it acknowledges specifically that Jesus also was participating in this ritual alongside others to claim ownership of faith and relationship to God in this public act. Um, and of course, a lot of the focus of this passage often is put on Jesus receiving the words of God and the Holy Spirit, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Um, but I don't think we should completely overlook that Jesus was baptized too. Now, just to kind of reiterate some of the words that Ryan shared with us last week, Grace is the acceptance of being accepted. 
And I think it's truly um, an act of power, of beauty, and of divine um, relationship that God extends this grace and acceptance to us and also calls us beloved. In the text, um, it talks about uh, the heavens, the barriers separating human and divine realms are torn. Um, the verb suggests that this terror is irreparable. There will be no mending of this. Um, the fact that everything is torn open, God is now accessible to humans, and humans are accessible to God um, in a way that wasn't true um, necessarily before. Um, or at least in the imagery that's used. It's different from before. And I can't necessarily claim that the sky is literally ripped open, but the author is definitely showing us that something incredibly meaningful is happening in these actions here. Um, and throughout kind of where we're headed and as we continue to study in Mark, um, Mark gives us a very fast-paced, kind of straight-to-the-point understanding that God is showing up in the world and making what was not possible possible through acts of divine kindness and radical acceptance of us. Um, we move through cycles of union, disunion, and reunion um, through our relationships with both humanity um, and also with the divine. And this God and human access of this relationship is truly groundbreaking in its truth and intention. Um, throughout all of these pieces, the epiphanies that come, come to us um, there's some really interesting aspects of what happens to us when we are experiencing a moment that would be um, kind of uh, categorized as experiencing an epiphany. Um, I don't know. I know we talked a little bit about soul on uh, Sunday. And for anyone who has watched it, uh, I won't spoil anything but for anyone who's watched it, I don't think it's too far of a stretch to compare having an epiphany to what happens to the characters who enter the zone. There's an artist who I've never known how to pronounce his name. Um, he's a French impressionist artist. Galouin, sure, said, uh, I shut my eyes in order to see. And I think that is brilliant um, in many ways. And... Another kind of illustration, whenever you have maybe asked someone a tough question or they're really trying to focus on getting an answer to a problem, uh, they look away or they look down. And in this, your brain is actually reducing visual input so they can focus on finding the solution and put their attention on what's being required of them in the moment. And so... When we're looking all around or constantly distracted by our surroundings, we sometimes miss out on the epiphany that can happen when we close our eyes, um, allowing ourselves to focus on what is pre present and brilliant within us. 
And I like to think that our bodies were made this way to provide some other kinds of epiphanies as well. And in these things, I like to offer the idea of attempting this week to see the cosmic working in your life by closing your eyes, um, maybe even turning off just for a bit uh, what's happening on the news and in our communities, or just trying to see from a more creative approach um, the personhood of God and where the miracle or epiphany may be showing up. Um, We are in such a tumultuous time in which it is so hard to focus on where the divine is. Or maybe it's not for you. And I hope that and I wish that truly. Um, Again, sometimes it takes reframing to find where the miracle or where the epiphany is. Um, I think just to bring it kind of full circle to where I started, and again, I'm sorry that this feels so disjointed, um, but just to bring it bring it back to the focus, I think what is asked of us in the gospel um, is a response to the epiphany of and the realization, the revelation, that we are also called beloved, right? We can keep coming back to this idea, and it is still so important, it is still so strong, that um, if we truly acknowledge the belovedness of every person who exists in our world today, um, I don't think the actions that are happening um, on Capitol Hill today would be true, would be present. Um, And so there's the schism between where we are uh, as a whole um, and where the kingdom of heaven exists. Um, The ways in which we respond to this epiphany, this revelation, this miracle, um, this showing up of God in our lives, um, that it's just not being seen fully right now. And I know in our conversations, we hammer this out. We try to find ways in which to help others reframe uh, that miracle, that belovedness of the other. Um, And sometimes we just have to sit in the grief um, that that, that hope, that expectation Um, is not here yet. Uh, And yet we are continually asked um, in one way or another uh, to act out um, our baptism, to act out uh, a continued renewal um, and commitment to what we believe to be true about God and about those around us. So in this, first we also have to acknowledge uh, our own acceptance, our own belovedness. It's going to be really hard to accept that about another um, without doing that first, without finding some truth to grasp about how the divine understands you and how you understand uh, the divine. And I wonder... I wonder what it would feel like, be like, seem like to 
be told my beloved with whom I am well pleased. Um, not for doing anything else but showing up. Um, not for doing anything else but seeking the things that you believe to be true. Right. Our belovedness does not hinge on whether or not we show up um, as leaders, um, as people working towards a certain end. Um, you can push the, all of that aside. Um, we act, I would say, out of motivation from our faith, not requirement of it. Um, but man, we have, we have many things that, that we need to accept and recognize um, that are hopefully being revealed to us in and through uh, some interesting and kind of dangerous political times. Um, we have the beauty that and uh, joy that can come from some of the, the changes happening in Georgia, and we can also acknowledge uh, the grief of what's happening on Capitol Hill today. Um, and we don't shy away from having these conversations, because even if uh, you hold a, a different understanding of the events or a different understanding of the texts in which I'm talking from today, um, we see all of these things to be true and good uh, to discuss because if the conversations aren't happening here in our church or in this community, then um, we, we worry about where else um, the gaps might be. And so that's why we kind of dive headfirst into uh, bringing together our context um, the text, uh, our tradition, and um, what we are looking towards seeing as truth. Um, and so kind of in summary, or at least the hope of where I would hope to, to find ourselves um, in knowing, or if, if you will, um, an epiphany, that God's love um, comes forth to us in the miracle of acceptance and of calling us beloved. There's no exclusion, and we get to act out this epiphany um, by bringing forth our own creative acts of, of love. And sometimes seeing these epiphanies, these miracles, takes closing our eyes. Again, um, it might be very hard to see the epiphany, to see the miracle in events like today. Um, and yet, I do believe in the ability to look beyond um, some, some very particular events to see where else God is revealing themselves to us um, and, and through us. So in all of those things, um, my hope on Sunday and where this will take us is to, yes, explore um, kind of the, the thoughts, the feelings, the actions that come from a week like this, um, to also acknowledge um, spaces of miracles or epiphanies in your life. Um, a couple of days ago, 
I uh, just kind of put out a question on um, my own social media to ask folks, what are the realizations that you're having, um, whether or not they're directly connected to your faith. And there's so many beautiful responses that I received um, that only speak to truth that is coming out of a time in which we have been so stretched. Um, it's been so difficult to think creatively. It's been so difficult to uh, kind of see beyond the edge um, of where we're at, whether that's in terms of the pandemic, the political uprise and upheaval, um, the uh, racialized trauma and violence that's happening in our nation. Um, there's just been so much. Um, and it's funny just looking on uh, Wikipedia's understanding of what epiphany is, um, because obviously it's such a great source of uh, wisdom. But it talks about epiphany as a feeling, um, and it's probably not necessarily always understood in that way. It's always kind of framed in a very intellectual um, insight that makes sense. It's putting together the facts, etc., etc. Um, but I think the feelings that we may be receiving from our bodies or from our communities on a day like today um, can be considered an epiphany all the same. Um, that the divine, um, our cosmic relationship with that out of with that outside of ourselves um, is telling us something, is revealing something to us. I know for myself, I've just had this feeling like a pit in my stomach all day um, in response to some of the news that we have received, and I think we can count this um, an epiphany, an insight, a revelation, um, all the same, and so. In that, um, we don't necessarily have to go anywhere from there. Um, the realization can and is enough. Um, like Ryan was kind of talking about last week, it is enough to just be. It is enough to not change. Um, obviously, I think there are some things that we hope to focus on or to change, but it's not necessarily going to take place in the form of a resolution or a quick fix or anything like that. Um, as we move through our stages of hope, um, as we reframe our understanding of revelation, um, like revelations as in miracles, um, I think we might move into a space that expects something different than we have um, in years or months past. Um, and I'm curious to kind of find in our collective wisdom what some of those epiphanies may be. Um, really, I hope to just provide a space on Sunday to, again, facilitate a space in which we can talk about these things openly. Um, I know I, f I feel like I spend a lot of time talking about certain things over and over again um, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing and I also recognize that for some folks here uh, our church is one of the few spaces in which we get to 
have that dialogue. Um, again, all in all, sorry for the rambles today, folks. Um, but just to end on uh, a quote talking about epiphany, again, reminding ourselves that it is a sudden realization, or maybe not so sudden, that Jesus is sent as a physical embodiment of God coming nearer to us. Um, and isn't that a little bit about what Epiphany is about? Proclaiming the gift of God's grace that we understand that is the acceptance of being accepted that was given without merit to each one of us. It's about living in the light of that grace so that it shines on all people, woman or man or other, Gentile or Jew, slave or free, Muslim or Buddhist or Christian or Hindu or none of the above, heterosexual, homosexual, or transgendered. Sometimes we might see God better by closing our eyes to the light. Sometimes we need things to break in order to find healing. And sometimes it's okay to rest in the way of love with which God acknowledges to us that they are well pleased, that we are beloved, no matter what we've done, who we are, or where we're going. So this week, Maybe you will shut your eyes in order to see. Maybe you will respond in a way that shines God's light into a world that struggles um, to seek the kingdom. And maybe you'll rest in the understanding that you are beloved. Wherever you find yourself this week, I hope that you are able to have safe space um, to reflect on the joy, reflect on the pain, the grief um, that you may be experiencing. Um, once again, we hope to be a space in which all of that is welcomed, um, and not just welcomed, but truly invited. Um, and we hope that you will join us for more discussion on Sunday. Um, Hopefully you got something out of this one take uh, session that y'all, I, I promise you, um, will probably be a one-time thing. Usually I am very strict with my notes and stick to it, um, have some sense of where I'm headed, uh, but these are times unlike any other. And so sometimes that requires giving ourselves space uh, to just speak from what God has already put presented and put on our hearts um, so in all of that I wish that you are safe and well um, that you may find some rest and some peace that surpasses all understanding um, even in the place that we find ourselves today so in all that um, as we approach this week may we love God embrace beauty and live life to the fullest